Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ is keeping for long ages past, but now relevant and made known through the prohibitic writings of the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles may come to the obedience that comes from the faith, to only the wise God only forever be through Jesus Christ. Right, go ahead and turn to chapter 15 and 16. We're going to finish up Romans today. We started this fall walking through Romans, and I've enjoyed the journey a lot. It's been um, huge for me and transformational for me and just how I look at the world. Um, and I know that there's a, the phrase out there by one of the, the great scholars said, if, if you've got Romans, then God's got you. And hopefully that's the case for all of us as we're, we're going to polish this off today. Uh, before we jump into... Uh, the lesson today. Remember, today is Life Group Day, and Life Groups are the the time where you can go and and sit around the table or, or around the living room or wherever you end up meeting and talk about what does the lesson mean for me. And so, uh, if you're a guest, just jump in with one of the Life Groups. You're welcome to do that because, again, and it's important to remind ourselves of this: as as a larger group of people, it's easy to walk in and to walk out and not have that personal connection that really helps us go deep with God. And so at life groups, uh, do what small churches do naturally, is you sit down at the table, you're able to share life, and there's really, really good stuff that comes out of it. And so I encourage you to, to participate in that coming up um, today and uh, the rest of this spring as well. And just another reminder, uh, that the New Year's resolutions that you started for reading Scripture Stay on it. It's, if you're like many of us, you've probably fallen off the wagon a little bit right now, but just get right back on and just keep reading and keep getting Scripture in you every day. And, and that transforms us in powerful ways. All right, Romans chapter um, 15 and 16. There is uh, Paul last week in chapter 14 and the first half of chapter 15 addressed the, the, one of the great issues that's happening there in the Roman churches is you have some debate over food and festivals. Because people come from all sorts of different walks in life, all sorts of different places in their faith walk, and they're wrestling over how do we come together on all this stuff that divides us? How do we see past it? And Paul gives them some instructions on basically saying, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. And if you're more mature, then put up with where other people that are younger in the faith are. And you're going to get through this. Uh, but it does not mean that you have to just... Uh, attack every issue that comes up is is remember to to put the most important things keep christ the center of of uh, what what you're doing and who you are and so he's going to transition and and close out in the book of romans here uh, what we're going to look at today and we'll come back to some of this here that i just shared here in just a minute but let's look at romans chapter 15 uh, verses 17 through 22 he says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. So in other words, I'm, trying, I'm staying out of God's way. This is all about God. By the power of signs and wonders, the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. 
It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I might not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have been hindered, often been hindered from coming to you. So Paul is one as he understands himself and the gift of God that he's been given. He is he is the first person in the in the room to share the message of God, if we can say it that way. He's the tip of the spear. And you watch through the book of Acts as he goes into synagogues and he shares the message of God and oftentimes gets kicked out and then he shares the message of God with whoever will listen to him after that. And so he goes from place and there's people that follow and, and work with him that help mature these churches as he goes along. And he shares with them, there is a, I have been called to share the message of God with the Gentiles. Now, if you know Paul's history, that's really stepping out of his comfort zone because he spent most of his life trying to be the Jew that everybody else wanted to be. And so God called him to do something that was completely out of his comfort zone. And you see from, from what he says here is, I embrace this. I embrace what God has called me to do. Uh, and, and God's brought fruit because of it. And it's exciting to be a part of something so wonderful and, and great like that. But Paul has never visited the Romans. Many of these people he doesn't know. But he's writing them because he hopes to come there. And he talks about that a little more here on down. And he hopes to come and visit them on his way to go, go to Spain. Because Rome is the center of the Western universe. That's where all roads lead back to Rome. I've talked about having lived there. You can stand on the Campidoglio and there's a pin that is theoretically the, the center of the city. And you can look around and ancient Rome, the roads go out like spokes on a wheel and go out to all over the place. Uh, from there. And so Paul is wanting to find his way back there, and he's writing this letter to help clear up some things for them because there's something big coming, and it's going to be very important what they do right now and how they deal with these differences on what happens and how powerfully God's going to be able to work. Okay, let's look at a few of these other verses here in this chapter and into chapter 16. Paul starts talking about the people that he's writing to, his fellow workers, and, and that we are not in competition, but we're walking side by side in order to honor God in everything that we do. Look at verse 14 through 16. I'm convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because the grace of God gave me. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sacrificed, sanctified excuse me, by the Holy Spirit. And he mentions, and he reminds them, is that you need to be people who are teaching each other. I believe you're competent to do that. And don't neglect that. Continue to teach each other. And, and that is, boy, what a great example for us. Um, I wonder how that happened with the Romans. I'm sure in a lot of different ways, just from house to house or wherever they were meeting. Them, in, as soon as they they uh, they came together, whenever they met up with each other, they had some word to help instruct each other to live a way that's more straight and honor God. And um, and hopefully that's the way we live. Is every day when we come in contact with each other, we somehow teach each other. Uh, to live a little straighter, sometimes by our words, sometimes by our example, sometimes by gentle rebukes and correction to keep us going straight. 
But that's hopefully something that we can do every day is that we call each other higher. Hopefully none of us ever are a bad influence on each other. We get around each other and it just gets worse and worse and we we tend to bring out the worst in each other. Be careful of that because it spreads to other people. And so for us, make sure that we're teaching each other to love God. Paul tells as well here, starting in verse 30, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and and by by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with all of you. Amen. So Paul asks for prayers here and he mentions throughout Romans that he's praying for them. So this is something that's important for these that Paul leaves with these people is be praying for each other. That's a... Uh, I know that there's some people are are very dedicated and, and really good at this. I'm just going to ask here. There is, uh, how many of you pray for other people in the church here on a regular basis? Can you raise your hands for that? That's great. Yeah, we're praying people. And if that's something that doesn't come into your head a lot, now is a great time to start. And there's not, sometimes like just getting a hold of um, looking Looking at the, the directory or looking at the uh, looking around while we're here worshiping and praying for people as we're here. I know that one time uh, I did this for a few different years. Uh, there was a hunt that I participated on over in eastern Montana. And get up in a tree stand and you have several hours that's just quiet there. And I decided to start with the letter A and pray for everybody I could think of that's name started with the letter A. And I just went through, and it took me, I thought, well, this isn't going to take very long, but it was amazing how it took me three days to get through the alphabet. And I just kept doing that, and I haven't done that exercise for years, but it was powerful for me, and hopefully it was for, for others as God answered those prayers. But we've got this direct line to God that we can go to Him on behalf of the people that are around us today, and people all over the world. And Paul asks specifically, please pray for me that I can be effective in sharing the message of God. Um, that's, that's something we can pray for, for each other. So that's a great reminder for us. Continue to pray for each other day in, day out. Let's look at another verse here. Chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Hey, Paul says this really clearly here, and this is... Again, coming off the tales of chapter 14 and 15 where he talks about the differences in, in food and festivals, is that do not allow people to come in the middle of you and stir the pot and make problems. Don't allow it. Don't buy into it. And, and as people, as we grow in faith, hopefully we're people that become lower and lower drama. You know what I'm talking about? Is that we're not the ones that are stirring the pot and creating difficulties for other people. But we are the people that bring peace. We bring that non-anxious presence when we come into a situation. That's what spiritual maturity does. It helps people slow down and think about godliness and and pursue that godliness. 
And so when, when we see someone around us, um, that we need to be careful. Um, because when, when drama is stirred up among us and, and we don't address it, then, then it creates problems, you know, goes out, you know, whoever knows where. Now we see that in life all sorts of different ways. And Paul's just reminding us, be, be aware of this, be careful of this. Hey, you look at those things that, that Paul shares here. Well, amazing stuff here. Maybe he's trying to leave the Romans with the perspective of, remember that you're all in this together. Hey, when Paul wrote this letter, there was, as, as we understand from, from reading the book of Romans, there seems to be some real differences among people. They're coming together and they're seeing just difference. They're seeing difference in festivals. They're seeing difference in food. They're seeing difference. In, and when we see those things, it, it goes all sorts of different ways. And they're wondering, how on earth can we ever come together? And how on earth can we ever share a meal? How can we do any of this stuff? Because we are so different. And Paul writes this letter and spends chapters throughout the book of Romans saying, all right, wait a minute here. There's, some, there's ways that you're all the same. You're all the same and that you all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, all of you. So all of us are similar in that. And whether you're Jew or Gentile, whatever your background is, those backgrounds have baggage. The first three chapters in Romans talk about that. But from here out, what God calls you to be is to live according to what he's called you to be. You have, those of you, it says in chapter 6, who have been baptized have clothed yourself with Christ. You're different. You're changed now. And so as he continues to speak, he reminds them what it means to live as a living sacrifice and be someone that is different. We are the temple of God. We are different than the people around us. And when it comes to these food and festivals that you have so much trouble over, approach each other by loving your neighbor as yourself and see that you're all sinners in need of God's grace instead of saying Jews and Gentiles and all these differences that you're saying here. I have to think that this really made an impact. Because just a few years after Paul writes Romans, there's some things that happen in the Roman world. And there's some big changes that go along. There is uh, the Emperor Nero. He does a pretty good job for a while. And his closest advisor passes away and everything changes. And Nero becomes really paranoid. He sees evil in everybody else around. He, he, people are, he just sees that there's all sorts of bad stuff that's going on and probably imagines a whole lot of it. And something terrible happens during his reign is that a whole bunch of the city of Rome gets set on fire. And so what Nero does is he comes out and says, wait a minute, the Christians have done this. They have set the city on fire. Round them up. We're going to execute them all right now. And the Roman legionaries go throughout the city, and there's a, there's a Roman author that talks about this scene, and he is not a Christian and does not like Christians, but he talks about the scene and what it looked like. And Nero, this emperor, goes out, and he is dressed in his centurion armor, and he is riding around in a chariot out on the Circus Maximus, right below his big palace there. And the Romans are bringing these Christians out, and they're executing them there right in the Circus Maximus. The Colosseum is just around the corner. hasn't been built. You know, it's under construction there. And they start executing these Christians, and they do so over this time. And, and Nero, as, as Suetonius says, is riding around in his chariot, and he is he's talking about... Death to Christians and all this. And we as Romans looked around and we didn't like the Christians either, but we knew that they didn't deserve this. And nobody was buying this, that they had gone around the city and set it on fire. 
And we knew that there was a great injustice being done. And if we're to to believe some of the, the secular history during this time, is that Paul comes through Rome during this time. And he is taken prisoner, and he is, uh, as the story goes, be, probably because he's a Roman citizen, he isn't crucified like many of the others are at this point in time. But he is, he is led away, and he is to be beheaded. And he takes a coin, and he gives it to the executioner and says, Here, thank you for sending me to see my Lord. He tips the executioner. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be the first thing that comes to my mind. You know, I don't, maybe, maybe you are much more spiritual than I am. But that's where he was in his walk with God. Is he tips the executioner and shows that executioner something that that executioner would have never seen from anybody who was not a Christian. Something totally different. And what happens in the next, time, in the next few years is, you know, when we look at the next 200, 250 years, there are emperors that come along that say, no, I'm going to execute these Christians, I'm going to persecute them, and then they, uh, they, they persecute them for a bit, and then the next emperor comes along and says, all right, you know, these people are pretty good people, let's just leave them alone, okay, they're crazy, they do weird stuff, you know, they take this Lord's Supper, and there was all sorts of rumors about the Lord's Supper is that they would put babies in the bread and eat the bread, eat, they were cannibals, that's what some of the popular rumors that went around some of the Romans were these these horrible people. But many of the emperors just said, you know, I, let's just leave them alone and, and adopted a don't ask, don't tell policy. But in all of that, what happened is, is people continued to share their faith, continued to share the message of God, and more and more and more people came to Christ. Until when the, the General Constantine is coming Coming south, he's going to um, go to battle in Rome. Uh, Constantine is you know, many years later after after Paul. But what is uh, there's a big change that happens at that point in time, and we talked about this in the the Wednesday night class that we've been walking through some of our history and how we we got to where we are. As Constantine gets to the Milvian Bridge, he rests his soldiers on the north side of the bridge there, where the Roman soccer stadium is, right in that area right now. But he, he stops there, and he says he has this dream. And history records this. as this, this dream that, that someone comes to him and says, by this sign you will conquer. And it's a symbol of key rose, symbol of Christ. And so he has his soldiers paint that on their shields, and they go in and they, they take Rome, which is how that there wasn't many emperors that, that died of natural causes during that time period. They were usually executed, and another general would come in and take over. And from that point on, Constantine said, all right, things are different from here. Christianity is legal. We're going to stop persecuting them. It's done. And then later on, uh, it was made the official religion of the Roman Empire. But from a letter that Paul writes to these people, that are trying to figure out how to even get on the same page about what they eat and the festivals that they observe. In a matter of a few years, go to give their life for Christ and give their lives next to people who had different diets and had different festivals that they chose to to participate in. And they walked side by side and died together because they understood that they were all sinners in the need of God's grace and they came to God to be his people. And that commonality was so much bigger than any difference that any of the world saw. And boy, is there not a message for us in that. 
is that we can look out at among us and, and see all sorts of differences. We can see all sorts of, of things that our world sees. And we really miss the point of what God wants his kingdom to be. God wants his kingdom to be us able to see something different, no matter what our background, no matter where we come from, no matter where we are along in our spiritual journey, whether we're just starting out or we've been Christians a long time, whether we grew up in an abusive situation or with godly parents, whatever our situation is, we can come together because what unites us is much, much greater than anything that divides us or separates us. And wow, that changed the Romans, it changed the world, and it can definitely change us as well. Um, when we think about for us in the future, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, but there was, um, as Paul shared with the people that he was working with, we're all partners together. We've got some, some great things. And you look down through this, the list of people, chapter 16, you see names that he talks about. These people, we don't know what happened to them. We don't know anything else about most of them, except that they were people there, they were in the trenches, that were loving God wherever they were in that city of Rome. You look at verse 3, and we could start anywhere in here. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches, the Gentiles, are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friends, Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Juna, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. And you go down through there and you read all these names. Some of them are Jewish names. Some of them are Greek names, Latin names, all of the above. And Paul is greeting all these different people that he is, in faith, walking side by side with and uh, in unity. You don't find in the Roman world a whole lot of those different names put in the same, in the same bucket. And here you do. Because what united these people in Christ was much bigger than what divided them. And Paul was excited to be a part of something like that. Um, I'm going to share, before we, we talk about some future, and maybe where God's leading us here in the next months, I realized here earlier this week that it was this day two years ago that I came and shared that, all right, we're, decided, we're, we're coming to Belgrade, we're going to answer this call of God, and, and here we are. And um, and God has uh, God has blessed I know our family and hopefully all of us in in the, the last couple of years. Um, what something I shared when I came is that I made a covenant with the church here and um, and just with with my family and I decided that I would re- renew that or share that again every year when it got to the, being here for one year. Um, I shared that I would keep my covenant with God, continue to follow him and be transparent in my, my spiritual walk. And I've continued to keep that, that covenant, covenant with my family, to be faithful to my wife, to be a good dad to my children. And I'm in process of being a good dad to my children. That's always, you know, they're figure out, somebody needs to write a book on that. Oh, wait a minute, we have, and they're all different, you know. We're still trying to figure out how to, how to do that. Um, a covenant with the church that I would deal with you honorably, and, and truthfully and faithfully and do my best in the work that God, that, that you've asked, that God and, and all of you have asked us to, to participate in here and try to call all of us higher spiritually uh, whenever um, I, I teach or preach or whenever um, we're together 
and try to, to really work to call all of us uh, higher spiritually. I know you have done that for me, and I'm thankful for that. And a, the uh, a covenant with the community here in this valley and, and wherever else the church has influence to represent myself in a way that's honorable, that helps call people towards Christ as well. And I continue to do that, and, uh, and Lord willing, better and better as the years come along. One of the things that, that is a, a common rule of thumb uh, for, for ministers working in communities is that the first two years you're there, you can't do anything wrong, and the next two years you're there, you can't do anything right, okay? And so I think some of that is different, because I've known many of you, or some of you, for, uh, before I came here. And so I thought about, man, I just, you know, I'm just going to get this out here. I'm going to share all, all of my faults just so you, that you know. And, and Sylvia said, no, don't do that. Just tell them, come talk to me. I can tell them all your faults. It's all good. You know, there's plenty of them, right? Or you can talk to my kids. You know, there is, uh, Lord willing, a few years from now, I'm going to be in a much um, straighter walk with God than I am now. And hopefully all of us are. And that's my prayer as we go forward is that God continues to help all of us look more like him day in, day out. We looked for the future. And so let me say this. I, I have been really excited about the way God has worked in the last few years. And I think about the, just where all of us were. Um, there's several, you know, a lot, lot of new faces here in the last couple of years. But where we were two years ago, I think God has done a lot of stuff in my life and hopefully in yours as well to call us more to be what, what God wants us to be. We look towards the future. I like this. Keep calm. We're all in this together. All right? God's working. God's leading us. And uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Let's go back there because this is the foundation that Paul lays the book of Romans on. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. From the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And that's my hope, is that day in, day out, each one of us can wake up and that we can decide, today I'm going to be a person that lives by faith. I'm going to embrace the mission of God. Whatever opportunities come along, whatever things, temptations, whatever it may be, I'm going to choose God's way, and I'm going to do that day in, day out. And if we do that, it's amazing the things that God will do for us and, and through us. What I'm really excited about here in the next months, and this is something that I hope for all of us, we can, we can up our prayer life, if I can say it that way, or increase our prayers here for the next while. The church is, uh, starting next week, we're going to walk through a few months of of talking about spiritual leadership and, and hopefully at the end of this, appoint some, some people that will serve the church here as shepherds. And that is going to be tremendous for, for us going forward and what, what God is, is, uh, is able to do through us. And hopefully in the next months, uh, God will provide clarity and, and, uh, through our prayers. And, um, hopefully all of us will grow through this process to, uh, be people that influence the people around us to to walk a little straighter and a little uh, more like what God wants us to be, being a light to our world. If you'd like to be a, um, become a Christian today or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to come forward. And the elders are waiting in the back if you'd like to go and pray with them today. Let's stand and sing together. Seven eighteen.